is expecting you. Welcome to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 3, Episode 1. The first episode of Book 3, guys. We made it. However, in saying that we made it, it has, of course, been a while. So I'd like to offer some apologies. First, the one for the long hiatus. Second, this episode was recorded actually quite a while ago, and we have built up a reasonable backlog of episodes, which is on purpose, so that we will not be on a hiatus again. With that said, this episode was recorded some time ago, and a few episodes upcoming have been as well, so some of this information was from a while ago. Of course, Avatar hasn't changed, so it's really not that different. The second is we had some audio issues in this episode, so Corey's initial thoughts and my unusual intro were cut off. We will be getting right in with my initial thoughts and into our normal episode discussion. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but we have cleaned this up. So without further ado, guys, welcome to book three. This book, I think that it does a really good job of sort of in giving you this sort of catch up of where we were, you know, bringing us up to speed on Zuko and Aang's uh, emotional, mental, and the actual physical state of where they are, um, as well as what's happened um, post the fall of Ba Sing Se. Um, I think this episode is really interesting about seeing how far, both how far Aang has come and how far Aang still needs to go. With that said, I think this episode is a little on the nose for me it's a little blunt and quite frankly we go some of the characters especially ang kind of goes through like what probably should be a multi-episode arc and is more or less tied up in one episode with ang sort of the feelings of 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 depression post uh fall um and i think unfortunately there's really no way to look at this episode without sort of comparing it in your mind to Korra alone, which is the kind of analogous within Korra, even though the episode is obviously tied to Zuko alone. But it's sort of the, the similar episode that's about dealing with the consequences of a climactic battle at the end of a season. And I think Korra alone functions way better when it comes to the raw emotional state of an avatar post, even not in Korra's case, defeat, but kind of post you know, injury and dealing with the the issues of not the world maybe not needing you as much or you not being there for the world. And I, it's one of those things that I just, you, you can't kind of get out of your head. So I want to do my best to kind of not overly dock this episode for not being as good as what I think might be the best episode between the two series, period, because that's not really fair. But I do want to bring that up that I think this episode definitely there's a lot of room for growth in, in sort of certain places before we get yeah. any response to that just because i kind of went on no i i, I agree and i i when you asked me if i would i rather stretched over ang's arc a, a few more episodes uh yes but i thought the way they handled it in 22 minutes was satisfactory and satisfying anyway and it just I think it just added to the episode of like, cause like what they did in 22 minutes made the episode itself just so good visually and, and uh, the parallel between you have Zuko who got everything he wanted in that, this episode, or he, at least you think, and you, you can see Zuko is like, it's like bittersweet for him almost. And we'll go into Zuko obviously, but then Aang, when he like, you know, talking about like his honor and all that stuff and how he's pretty much taken the role of Zuko this episode, so I think it works in a one-episode thing where you could just see 
the parallels between the two in the in the same episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the worst thing. I, I just there's a there's a part of me that just kind of wishes that we got a little bit more of an, an arc on some of this stuff. Um, all right, so let's let's kind of get in into the nitty gritty here. Um, right at the start, there's a couple of things I think are really interesting with the sort of how jarring a few things are. Right off the bat, obviously you see Aang with hair, which is really, you know, kind of shocking. And you're like, whoa, that is just weird. Um, but it obviously makes a lot of sense. He was, you know, pa- passed out for two, you know, for two weeks. And, and the, and I, it's one of those things that I think is kind of from our perspective doing this sort of on the whole rewatch with the whole series in, in, our, in our back pocket, knowing a little bit more about the why the airbenders shave their heads and that there, there's actually like a it's more than just that's Aang's style that this is you know obviously we knew that most of the monks did it but knowing that there's actually some spirituality to it feeling the wind in your hair being able to kind of or wind in your on your head and kind of having it, it having some meaning there I think helps a little bit to sort of show that it's not just jarring for us the audience it's kind of it's jarring for Aang I mean Aang has that reaction a little bit later in the episode where he's like I have hair and it's like that does matter and I think is is kind of a nice touch because what I do like about the opening of this episode especially is just how much it's meant to be jarring like it's shot from Aang like directly from Aang's perspective even like the camera even shakes when he faints in the beginning which is like a nice little touch like you're you're very much supposed to be off kilter you're on the fire nation ship you're not really sure where you are you don't know what's going on you see the friends and you're like all right everything's good but then you see how like like ang doesn't realize how like messed up his own body is and i think that i think works really well like from a pure perspective this episode is is all about perspective and i think they do a great job at the start of, of showing that can i uh, tell you a fun fact mm-hmm my first viewing of the show, I was obviously a lot younger, 14, 15 at the time, and um, I thought Aang was just naturally bald. I didn't realize he shaved his head. Isn't that, isn't that funny? So when he had hair, like really— but you see him boom. shave earlier. Yeah, I guess I never put two in, or I guess I didn't really catch it or put two and yeah. two together, but for whatever reason, I always thought Aang was just bald, and I then I saw him with hair, and I'm like, my first time ever seeing Part one, book three. I'm like, whoa, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> so it, it is, it is something like how much hair is so important in this series. Because like we see it with the Zuko when he cuts his hair and, and kind of now the seeing Zuko for the first time back up in the full regalia with the um, – you know, Oh, he looked great by the way. I thought he looked so like regal. Like yeah. I think that the, his outfit just fit the entire thing where like Ozai quote unquote has like – is you know is proud of him and he's like almost like unexiled. Welcome back to the Fire Nation. It, it just, mm-hmm. Oh God. Yeah, we'll we'll so get to good. we'll get to the Zuko side. I, I want to. I think this is, this is the way this story works. I think we'll do the Ang stuff and then kind of go back and do the Zuko stuff. Um, one one thing that I I want to give some props to right off the bat, and I think Avatar does a really good job of this across the board. But I'm really happy that Ang is like kind of really messed up from from this fall with with azula like it's not immediate that he's back out there this is does kind of go into one of my complaints that i do kind of wish it went further but quite frankly that's more of issues for the next couple episodes as well as much it is with this episode at the end ang is still kind of hurt but there is something to i've said it before i'll say it again you you if you're gonna have these epic 
climactic battles that are, are, are really, really crazy and seem like the characters are, are getting, you know, basically ragdolled in, in the case of Aang here. Like, he gets shot with lightning and almost dies. You can even make an argument that they bring up in this episode that maybe he did die. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. That has to be important. That can't just be a thing that happens. Like, they need that needs to come back. And I think it's, it's at least nice that for at least one episode, Aang is clearly in real pain, really having issues with this. And, like, that wound on his back, which for a minute, by the way, it looks absolutely, like, painful and disgusting and, like, like, there's a hole in his back, which is, I don't even, I'm very, I'm almost surprised they were able to put that in a kid's show, just as, a, as an aside. It wasn't, that, it wasn't that graphic. No, but there is, like, a red hole in his back. Like, that's a, the, that was there. That happened. Sure. Um, and, like, it, it, we're going to get, the, like, obviously the end, the, the thing that really, quote-unquote, comes back is the, is the locking of the chakra and the lack of Avatar state, which is kind of their lasting, lasting consequence for this. But I'm just, it, it's nice that they understand that you're going to come off this great big fight at the end of book two and get shot to full of lightning. And it's not up, oh, I mean, he's immediately back to the same. He's, everything's fine. It's like, no, it, there's, he's got to go through some issues for this. Right. Um, I also, another, this episode is going to have a, a fair amount of, of, of me kind of comparing this to Korra. I just, I think this episode lends itself really well to that. Um, there's something interesting about seeing Katara kind of learning firsthand about healing the Avatar physically and emotionally and mentally after kind of these, these, these really big clashes that are sort of determining the fate of the world, which is going to become a really important part of the other episode I was talking about with Korra alone, where Katara is healing Korra and trying to bring her to face her demons and face her, her, her mental state. And there's something you can kind of see that that's this is part of how she was learning that. Obviously, Katara is going to go through an entire life with Aang, but this is kind of the beginning of, of that. You can really see how she's learning that it's it's not just healing his wounds. It's not just all right, you patch up the hole in his back and everything's fine. That there is a a physical toll that that, that the sort of fighting for the fate of the world all the time is going to have on you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. another small, just sort of like very little thing, but I, I, I really want to harp on this because I, I think it's so important. I love that little hint that you get about them traveling through the serpent's pass because it's going to come back later when you have the, you know, the serpent show up because it's one of those things that they just, I feel like they do so well where they set something up for later, but you just don't even notice it. Like if you're watching this episode and didn't know it was going to come. Okay, they're passing through the Serpent's Pass. That makes sense. They that the Serpent's Pass should kind of be in the same sort of geographic place as where they were. It, it you know it it's not this weird out of this left field. Oh my God, we're this place we used to be. But just giving us that sense means that we're not totally caught off guard when later on the Serpent shows up. And I just giving a lot of credit to this because I think. This is what great writing is, and I feel like way too much nowadays there's there's this sense of we need to be unexpected. We need to shock the viewer and, and have them – like things come out of completely out of left field. It's like don't – if you're going to do things, do it in a way that makes sense. This is something that – it's not shocking, but at least there's like – there's a logic to it. There's a, a clear progression that you can understand as a viewer. 
Yeah, no, the foreshadowing there is great. Obviously, um, I I think um, I think like a lot of this episode is just like perfect setup for what's to come in book three. Just and, and everything more so than just the serpent's past. It's just like a it, it sets up so many seeds that end up paying off dividends throughout the uh, the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean for sure. Uh, it just this is just a little, just a very little thing, but I do think it it matters. Um, all right, so I want to really zero in on the conversation that we have between Sokka and Aang with the difference in perspective between two people of the fact that Aang is a secret. And right off the bat, you have Sokka on one side. And what I like here is that Sokka is thinking completely tact- like tactically. He's saying, look, the war is essentially over from the sense of They've conquered Ba Sing Se. The Fire Nation has kind of accomplished its goals. There's not really any value to Aang being revealed. It's it's purely upside for them to have Aang be this secret weapon that they don't know about. They're not tracking them. They're not, um, and they're not prepared for Aang to kind of burst in on the day of Black Sun. And everything about that makes sense. Sokka's not being insensitive. He's not like say like making fun of Aang here. He's making a very legitimate point. On the other side, you have Aang who is forced to face both his failure for saving the Earth Kingdom and I think this innate problem that avatars have when they can't um when they when they feel helpless, when they feel like they're not able to help the world. And one of the reasons I love this and I said this kind of in the intro is it really highlights how long, how far Aang has come from someone who never wanted to be the Avatar, someone who is shied away from their responsibility. I mean, how many times did we talk about in book one, God, Aang just doesn't do anything in this episode. Aang just doesn't take sort of the lead on saving, you know, saving a village here or saving, you know, saving these prisoners. This was Katara's thing. This was Sokka's thing. We're now seeing Aang has completely come to realize that he is the Avatar, that the world is his responsibility. But what I love about this is even though Aang has gone through a ton of growth, that growth hasn't led him to some like great place. He's not some wise sage who's come to grips with everything. It's actually led him to a worse place where he feels so the the weight of the world on him to the point that he has to bear it alone. He doesn't need friends, and he's not, um, you know, it, it causing almost it's causing depression within him. And I like this a lot because I think sometimes shows or, or narratives run into a mistake where they feel like a character, if they're having character growth, that means that they must always be sort of doing it for the better. They must be getting better as a person in every single way, and. That's not really true to life. People might uh, change. They might learn new things. They might come to accept things about themselves. But that doesn't always mean it's for the best. And while it's very important for Aang to accept who he is, he still has a long, long way to go to accept who he is and accept it in a way that will allow him to do things the right way. Yeah, and I I think you, you nailed it on that past like on the second half of book two is where 
I think he really comes into his own and, and realizes that like he, he's like the symbol, the avatar, more so he like he needs to do this in order to save the world. Um, and if it's and he thinks that the entire burden's on his shoulders, and I th- think he's humiliated at this point. He's that's why I think he mentioned like this whole part of honor with himself, where not only can he not do that, but he's just in a, a position where like he is now a obviously unable to do what he needs to do, but he he just feels like he's worthless now. And I think it's just everything. I, I, and I, I do see your point more so too how this would have been something good to just like drag over a few episodes but i think this the way they did it in, in correlation with what else happened in the episode was really well done too. yeah and look maybe my part of my feeling of this is that the beginning of book three does drag a little bit i mean the next episode we're literally going to talk about a secret dance party which has some things to like about it but i just think that there's if i if i do have a complaint and it's obviously not a true like deal breaker on any level. But if I do have one thing about this show that I think maybe could have been a little bit better, it's just really making Aang's arc more holistic. I think that at times Aang you'll vary from having like really, really great character growth and character building. And then sometimes it'll kind of be, let's put most of Aang's character growth into like one episode. Like the storm was a great episode, but it does kind of feel like they kind of put a lot into what, like a really dense episode, and then it's surrounded by some stuff that maybe doesn't have as much. And I think that maybe kind of spreading it out a little bit to where you have this episode like this, but you can have just a little bit more of Aang, Aang's you know, inner struggle here would have just been a little bit of nice. Because it's like Aang essentially gets over this, in theory, in like a night, in like four hours, which is kind of a short time for you to get over like, a real deep existential problem with your place as the avatar and as, as the one who, um, like the one who's necessary to do all these things. Um, on, on top of that, I think that like you, this episode is like the really beginning of trying to put forth this thesis that is avatars feel innate responsibility about the state of the world. And when they're forced to rely on others, when they're when they're not able to kind of be in the forefront and do it themselves, it messes with them. I think in a in a, like a very fundamental way. And a lot of this I say because we we see what happens with with Cora in the same position, and it really has a negative effect on her psyche and her 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 mental state. And the I think that that's I think that's really good. I think that makes a lot of sense for for someone in this position who's kind of the the avatar and I don't, we don't have a word for it in this world like that they, they don't exist um but i just think that it it, it this is in some respect is kind of the, the the most fundamental part of being the avatar is dealing with this thing and i i kind of wish that we got more of it true but i think we get bits and pieces i mean Aang doesn't have smooth sailing even though yeah, I'm not, I don't even think Aang returns full to form anyway. So if I'm being honest with you, I think there's just a lot of issues with Aang. I don't think he's like happy-go-lucky Aang for most of book three, actually. Yeah, I, it's not It's not that he is just fine after this. It's that we don't really get another um, like exploration of this specific thing, this feeling of 
it is my responsibility. It is my responsibility alone. And the kind of existential I need to redeem myself and, and, and bring my honor back. Like, we get one line about it within the, 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 the Day of Black Sun episodes. But for the most part, Aang's question shifts very much to the opposite side of how far am I willing to go? The, the, the kind of the, the, the central question of the, the finale, the, is he going to kill the Fire Lord? And like this is kind of the only episode where we get this specific question brought up. And I, again, maybe I wouldn't feel this way if we didn't see it in Korra and see it done kind of to perfection, but I think that this is a, a fundamental part of being the Avatar, is the, is... Is this is this is this innate responsibility that you feel, and you know Ang struggles with it a lot. Ang struggles with the identity issues, and and does he want the responsibility of the Avatar, and is that fair to him as as a, as a human being? But I don't think we we just don't. This is hinted at a little bit here, and it's it's only one episode. And that's all I'm saying. Do you think in this episode, if, if he was able to confront the Fire Lord in this very episode, do you think he would have killed? Do you think that Aang would have killed the Fire Lord? Yeah, in this episode, before the end of it. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I definitely would say if he could, I think he would have confronted the Fire Lord. Yeah, and would he have killed him? Hmm. I think the answer is yes. I think you're probably right. Um, I think that this is probably... You could argue, is this the darkest Aang? Is this the Aang's lowest point? I thought he was pretty low when he lost Appa. Yeah, that's true. And we see in that moment that he's pretty violent. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll go with you. I think you're right. Yeah, I think he probably would have killed the Fire Lord. I mean, he would have lost, but, you know. It's very interesting to think about, right? Just assume he could. Um, How do you feel about, just on, on the principle, the Aang being on the Fire Nation ship saying he needs his honor back is is that do you like that or is that too over love it oh my god my favorite part of the episode and then you trans uh, zuko right after he says that line it was i like it i i think this is one of the things that 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 actually works really well um i'm just i just want i kind of bring it up to kind of play devil's advocate but yeah i i think that they do i think that you talk about avatar as this dual story between zuko and ang you have two characters on very different paths, but ones that will intersect over and, and over again. And the this point to kind of you do get a bunch of moments where you put them either in similar positions or in similar situations. You, we, we saw it in the storm with kind of both of them being in this, this similar mental state and kind of this having to deal with the, the ramifications of their past. And I think it is interesting that that the the book one begins with with zuko lying in a you know sitting in a in, a, in a, on a almost the same exact ship under the fire nation batter trying to redeem his honor and book three begins with ang on a fire nation ship needing to redeem his honor there, there is something i think poetic about that oh absolutely it's not even a question um i i thought to like this, this, again, there's so many parallels in this episode, and I, I think, like, do you like, do you think Zuko is truly happy, or do you think he has is suffering guilt the second he sees his dad? Um, I don't know. I think that he is. 
I don't think it's guilt. I think that he's. Uh, hold on, let's let's table that discussion. I want to I want to do Zuko in its entirety uh, okay. on on Broken. So let's let's finish up the the gang side. Um, so the Zuko, you know, Ang Ang runs away, and we now get this kind of little thing that's inserted in this episode: the Katara with her father Hakoda and, and and the issues that they have, and this is one of those things. I kind of I like this scene in a vacuum. I, I like this moment between between Katara and her father. I think there's some really interesting stuff going on here when it comes to the the, the issues of innocence lost. And I think it's a really important reminder that Katara is still a kid. You know, we think of her as the the motherly one, as, as kind of the parent of the group, but she is still only 14, 15 years old. And you know, sometimes you need a parent to tell you everything is going to be okay. And, and the losses with her father. That being said, I, I wonder if this episode was the right place for this thing. Um, that's, that's actually very fair because that doesn't really play into the, this, uh, set, uh, uh, Zuko slash Aang centric. So, and it was kind of a throwaway. I know I definitely fit. So I see your point. It is it very just, interesting. To think it about. just completely comes out of nowhere. Like we've, we've literally never, gotten this at all we've seen i mean unless you want to argue that katara staying behind in and not going to see their father in chameleon bay and staying with the invasion was her something about this subconsciously we have no hint of this whatsoever it completely comes out of nowhere is completely resolved by the end of the episode and really by the end of a scene and i just i don't know it's i feel like this maybe could have been the kind of thing that was building a little bit. Like we could have had a couple of scenes in the past of, you know, Katara saying something to the effect of her having some resentment towards a parent leaving their child. I mean, you know, you could have done it all the way back in in prison. You could have done it during some of the tough stuff. Like there, I think that there was a way to like set this up to where at least we kind of had an idea of it. I feel like here it's just like, Oh, Katara has a problem with her father. Oh, okay, yeah, I, she's not wrong. It is, like, again, like, the, the scene itself I think is fine, but it's, it's. I'm just not sure if it was set up well or it wasn't set up at all. And I wonder if in an episode that's all about Aang's kind of inner demons and all about Zuko coming to terms with his new place in the world, if, like, you needed this. I think it's I think it's needed somewhere throughout it. Like it's I think it's necessary, but I, this episode it being in, I I could argue it, but I think that scene is should be somewhere in the show. Yeah, I agree. Like I like the scene. I think that if you if you set up the scene a little bit more, I mean, I think even if you set up the scene a little bit more, maybe you could have found a place within in this episode. I just I feel like this should be more important than it is. And it's it's literally a throwaway scene in this episode. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that's weird. That, yeah, exactly. Um, it was throwaway. Um, yeah, I also just think it was it was it was in conjunction with the storm you saw. It was just like tor- turmoil all around on like affecting everyone. So I guess it's fine if you think about just what the tone was at that point anyway. And yeah, I, but obviously Katara's extremely stressed out and like. But it's it's easily... not like the episode. Oh, but a you see that you see earlier in the episode that even before that Katara is like. I see towards her father. Like you see it early in the episode. Sure. What? Yeah. And and like I feel like 
you I don't know. I, like I said, I agree that it needs to be somewhere. I just don't know if this is the right place. One thing I forgot to mention, I wanted to go back to as a, as a quick aside because um, I, 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 I want to make sure I harp in on the I don't actually hate comedy. The moment within the, the naval battle when, um, when Sokka has the whole, um, you know, the universe just loves proving me wrong, doesn't it? And then the thank you, the universe line when the serpent uh, attacks the other ship. I love that. I think that that's when this show does comedy really well because you have a fight that's not really important. Like, they're fighting another ship. They're unnamed characters. No one cares, whatever. And just insert, like, a little bit of comedy in something that I do feel like, genuinely feel like Sokka would say is just, I think that's great. I think that's, to me, this is how you break up and inject a little bit of levity into an episode like this. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think uh, it doesn't... Obviously, hurt the tone of the episode. Funny. All right, so let's 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 get into the ending of of the 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 Ang side. And Ang leaves. He's out in the storm. And you know, I I was saying this to Corey a little bit before we started. I I feel like the storm and the whole everything with the lightning with Roku and Yue showing up a little overt, a little too blunt for my taste. Like. I know that storms have like a real power and, and, and there's something important about that with Ang with Ang once again running away in a storm. But it's like, I don't know. It, it to me feels a little too much like they just took the character's emotions and, and put the put the weather to match it. And it's kinda I don't know. A little little too much for my taste. I think I was fine with the storm until it went away. And when yeah. like everything yeah, that's where like you you notice like okay the storm and it's it's a common trope in all TV obviously that the storm represents whatever but the fact that it, like it went away like as soon as Aang got the message he needed to hear was a little silly unless like you explain that there really was some it was like a magic storm or not but you know I agree yeah but, but it's common I don't I'm not upset with it no it just it look it's a trope and I understand why but. I just sometimes that does bother me a little bit where it's like every funeral it's raining every it's a bad day so it's raining and I know that there is like something about that with biology where like the the bad weather actually causes you to have a bad day and you know you that's why you're that's why you feel depressed but sometimes it's like not like that's not true like when you're at a funeral the bad weather didn't cause you to be depressed the the the, the funeral did and I feel like in this case like I even if it was bright sunshine and a perfect day, Ang would still be doing the same thing. So, like, I don't know. Like, it just, it feels a little bit too, just a little too much for me. Um, I also, you know, again, I'm just, like, it, you're right. It's like the everything. It's like the storm ending as soon as he, like, hears the, the thing from UA and the lightning striking up. Roku's there, which uh, I guess oh, you yeah, could argue. Strike with... What? Yeah, that's... No, that's funny. The lightning with Roku. I mean, you could ask, you could argue that since it's inside, Roku is an, inside Aang's mind. It's like the lightning jarred him and made him like, hell, it's a firebender. So think about Roku or something. I don't know, but I don't know. It just the little, we're just a little too like. Let's like make sure everyone knows what our tone is in every way. Eh, I don't know. Maybe it could have been a little, little subtler. Um, question: do you, Was that Roku's island that they got to? Uh, like not his home island, like the temp, the one with the temple. 
It's a good question. Like it is crescent uh, shaped, right? Yeah. And there's a volcano which Roku blew up. No, that's a very solid. That's definitely a solid point. I'm wondering. I I, not, I thought thinking about looking it up, but I haven't. I don't know. Someone look it up and let us know. Um. So yeah, the the whole gang comes together. Ang is like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm good now. Again, a little. I I do feel a little like this didn't need to be wrapped up so quickly. This could have been a little bit more of Ang begrudgingly, you know going back because he's he's hurt and you know sort of realizes he needs help for a little while um but you know all right you know i've said before i think this show sometimes has a little bit of a problem that it really wants to end on a happy note and you know it really does but you know all right whatever um i there is that one really sad moment of kind of the last relic of ang's past other than appa the, the glider you know going up in flames um you know, there, there, there is something very important and symbolic. Like this is the, the one thing he has made by the monks and is, is kind of very important to him. It's, it's been kind of his, one of his defining characteristics throughout the entirety of this show is Aang with his glider. And to not have that anymore is certainly, um, you know, it's about as jarring it is to see Aang with hair. Yeah. Uh, I, and I thought the way the, the glider went down, like, and it sounds so cliche for me to say, but symbolizes Aang, like next like going to his next chapter of his life yeah if that um, makes any sense too a small thing but that was like volcanic like there was literally lava on the ground how in the world did Aang not burn himself with his bare feet he, he's the avatar i guess but Toph's there too like i don't know i feel like sometimes in these shows they're a little too like we're a little too okay with walking next to lava or magma, which is, you know, really hot. Yeah. Um, whatever. Again, visual tropes. Uh, I don't think it takes away from the episode at all. All right. Let's take a little quick break. And when we get back, we are going to talk about Zuko. And we're back. So let's talk about the other side of this story. Our lovely introspective friend Zuko, along with his fun cast of friends, his sister, and his now girlfriend, May. That that happened quick. Uh, I haven't really seen each other for three years and are already making out. Yeah, I mean, I think she's always been into him. Well, she has, obviously. We, we, we yeah. knew that. Do you think Zuko's ever into her? Yes. At this point, again, I think Zuko is so melancholy in this episode. Um, I don't know if, like, it's the first thing on his mind right now, but I do think that he's, you know, into her. Sure, but I, again, I think, like, Zuko, like, made, like, you know, like one of those the whole thing's like, oh, I finally made it. And it's like, this is not what I thought it would feel like. And I feel like that's like what he is. He's very melancholy this entire episode. Yeah. But I think we'll get plenty more of that as we go. So, so I know you wanted to talk about this. So I'm going to just give you the floor to, to, to talk about the, the iconography, the, the clothes, everything that is the look of, of Zuko, Azula, their, their, I know coronation isn't the right word, but their homecoming. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I, I love I love what Zuko looks like when he's like bowing in front of the, the uh 
the Fire Lord. I think it's it's just perfectly. He looks perfect. I even love the the whole scene when Zuko visits Azula when she's in her nightgown and she's not wearing any makeup and like she's still like extremely intimidating and it's just oh my god, just everything about this I think was just done perfectly. You really are just like I don't know a fascist deep down. No, see, I was talking to you about this about I I never really got the nation, and you know what? Maybe I like it, it is like obviously. Like if you even want to like do it to the um, the Star Wars equivalent, they they dress nice, they have cool but costumes. But what do you but what do you obviously. like of what you like about the Fire Nation is like it's regal. Is it's how like regal, regal it looks and how like there's they put on this big show and they look threatening and powerful and you love like the uniform. Yeah. Hell, you have a Krennic outfit. Like you love the iconography of the Empire. I'm saying you really do like like the author like how an authoritarian regime looks. Absolutely, and like, Get do you not paintings of like the the leader? <laughs> okay, now I think you're going a little too far there. Do you think Palpatine <laughs> has a uh, a painting of himself? Yeah, are you kidding me? That's a joke. Absolutely does. Hmm. Wait, you but don't think? Uh, do you think that his yeah. painting is of him in like Sith form or, or in uh, old, old, no, good old, looking? Old. Oh, I think you actually see that in um. Definitely in Battlefront, you see that. I'm not saying anyone should play Battlefront. You see, like, old Palpatine, like, everywhere. Uh, Probably. And you know what I'm shocked? I'm shocked you don't see more uh, Fire Lord around. In the, well. You know, like, I feel like he should be a cult of personality. I feel like the Fire Lord, instead, it's it's that, that, that flame symbol. Like, I feel like it's more, like, I think the point of the Fire Lord is that he's not a man. He is the embodiment of fire. Oh, so they're going for more of a I see your point. Yeah, I don't I don't think that they're going for like the the portraits of a man. I think they're saying a man cuz like literally isn't this this is the first time you see Ozai's face, right? Uh Yes, yes it is actually. And that's oh, I want to actually talk I I am always underwhelmed by the way. Mhm. Do you agree with me on that? Yes, the Fire Lord is probably the weakest part of this entire show. Does it bother you at all? Yes and no. It doesn't from the fact that I think that if the Fire Lord was more of a character, the only way to do that was to take away from really good characters that we do have, say Azula or Zhao, etc. So I so I I think that we get acceptable substitutes. And I think that part of the power of the Fire Lord is that he is just a symbol. He's a pure force of nature. That being said, yes, I wish that we got just a little bit more. That that the Fire Lord was more than just pure evil and pure, I don't have motivations, I don't have character, I'm just an evil force. But at the end of the day, like, there's a reason that force of nature villains work sometimes because that's not the point. The, 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 the fighting of the villain is, is more of a, a catalyst to, to make the story work as opposed to something else. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there's, there's something to be said. I mean, like you can make an argument in the non prequels, the emperor is just kind of a force. Like he doesn't have a character. He's just a, you know, guy who is evil 
True. That's true. I mean, obviously Palpatine doesn't become what he is and what is so lovable about him until the pre- And, you know, I'm not going to... Also, I mean, on some level, you could argue Vader the same way. Like, Vader and... I know I'm not getting into this discussion right now. I'm not getting into this argument. I am just going to say that I am right in this case. I am kind of depressed that we had to get a whole backstory of Anakin Skywalker and how he became Darth Vader because, you know, it turned out to be really bad. And, you know, when he was just a force of nature, you know, I'll say this but when it comes to, to, to Ozai. I am I'm very neutral when it comes to him because he is because there's not very any much, pretty much anything there. Yes, we could have gotten good backstory. But we also could have gotten bad backstory. We could have gotten a bad set of motivations. So, the end of the day, it's not it's not the end of the world. But yes, to answer well, your main question, yes, at times it does bother me that 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 there is nothing. To and it. it's funny though because and it's like I that's why I've, I was bringing this up to you to begin with um, why the Empire more then the fire nation i think you said it like palpatine is like that icing on the cake that like puts everything together and like i guess like the empire represents just order and, and like cleanliness like it sounds like so fascist for even saying this but like cleanliness order rule like that and like the fire nation i just get the conquering like conquer 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 and like i think the empire already had everything conquered it was just maintaining control over it while the fire the fire nation like the fire nation is more like i guess you could say like japan obviously and obviously they're meant to represent japan it, it, it goes without saying but i i think them still fighting to like conquer is like in a different league especially when you have like a faceless leader behind it that has like no real motivation outside of i just want to rule the world mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i will agree that i do think that that is is a an issue that this that this show does have that at times it would be nice if we got just a little bit more like we got a re like more than the little bit we get in the avatar and the fire lord um that is like why the fire nation is doing these things but at the end of the day like i think that the reason it's there is to just we're not supposed to focus on it we're supposed to to focus exclusively on zuko and ang which the end of the day, it works. Well, I'm not going to complain too much. Um, so I want to talk about Zuko and his father and, and the meeting. But before that, I think that there's something really nice and subtle about the, the, the interaction that Zuko and Azula have when he's feeding the ducks where um, you know, Zuko says, like, I haven't seen dad yet. And what I love about this is it shows you that even now, even now that Zuko has been redeemed, he's kind of has his honor back, he is the crown prince again, there's clearly no love in this family. Like, you know, Ozai has not seen his son in three years and is home and literally hasn't seen him and is until Zuko, like, goes for his official audience, will not see his father. And I, I think that that speaks to an important part of all of this because one of the things that you can tell is Iroh is a father to Zuko, not just because he's trying to put him on the right path, but because he actually cares about him. And like, could you imagine for a minute if, if you know, I, you know uh, 
Zuko was gone for a little while and showed up and, 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 you know, Iroh was just there and just didn't see Iroh for a while. Like, you know, him being in prison in this case, notwithstanding, like you couldn't imagine that for a heartbeat. You know, Iroh would be meeting him at the boat dock to say hello, because that's what family is supposed to be. And to not see his father, like that's, I think, an important part of all of this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, and then if you think about his childhood, the only person ever cared about him in his childhood was his mother. And then you saw what happened to his mother. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of baggage there in that family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, do you, do you think if his mom wasn't in his life, do you think Iroh even couldn't redeem him? Or do you, do you think his mom had a lot to, like, to do with that? Um, I think it does. I think that his mom helped him to kind of make sure that he was actually a good person because I think deep down Zuko is a good person. He's just doesn't know what good and evil are. He doesn't know what, who, what or whom he should be loyal to. Or, so, or I just don't think he cares. I mean, I think, no, I think he does. He wants... I think he clearly does. I don't think he ever thinks he's noble for hunting. the Avatar. I think like, he does. He... No, I think no. he's just doing it so he can be accepted by his father. No, I, I think that he does feel a sense of pride in his nation and that he should. I mean, we saw that. We, we see that a few times. There's the, there's the scene in, in the beginning of the finale when, you know, he is um, or no, not in the finale, in the, in the day of Black Sun when he's talking to his father and he's like, growing up, we were taught that the Fire Nation was the greatest civilization in history and that the war was our means of sharing our greatness with the world and spreading you know spreading this you know the the you know technology and advancement and what is a great nation um with the world and i think that i think zuko truly believed that he was doing the right thing hunting the avatar that this was in or in support of his nation that the avatar was an antagon, antagonistic force from to to to, to go down you onto your level from his point of view the avatar was evil um sure i i i i I guess i see your point like i think that i think zuko truly believed because you saw that you see that in his you know in the beginning when, when he has this you know the the objection to the plan to um to use the fire nation soldiers as 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 bait in that um for why he gets burned. Like, it's not like Zuko stands up and is like, I don't think we should invade the Earth Kingdom because that's bad. He's like, we shouldn't intentionally put our own troops in harm's way. Like, that tells me someone who thinks that the war is justified and should be fought with sort of honor and, and, and fought in a, in a reasonable way. That doesn't strike me as like, I think that Zuko truly doesn't understand doesn't realize what true good and evil are until the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and like you point. see it, you see it in the beach episode when he like when he's having his meltdown, he's like, I don't know the difference between right I don't feel like I know the difference between right and wrong anymore. Because when you've been taught for your entire life that right is the Fire Nation, because that's what fascism is, and wrong is everybody else, then you're in this position of well, my country can't. Supporting my country can't be wrong, so I must do it. 
right, so I want to talk about Azula's sort of gamut here of telling her father that Zuko was the one who got the Avatar. And do you think that it's, do you like that she openly states her reasoning in this episode? Yes, because I think she thinks she's in complete, she's like, this is, she's in complete power. She has like, she has absolutely no doubt that that causes any risk to her. She's in complete, so she did it as a power move. Yeah. I, I don't know. I go back and forth on this. On one hand, I kind of wish that it was a little bit more subtle if, if we were sort of, Zuko was a force to kind of get, keep guessing and not really know what her, what her game was. But at the same time, I think you're also right that she is, she is a master manipulator, and I think she's trying, she's using this to her advantage here, where she's, um, she wants Zuko to be constantly worried about the Avatar showing up and and constantly afraid, like having this hang over him, and kind of maybe something that she can use, you know, that will use later. But at the same time, I don't know. I think that it would have been. I also think it would have worked really well if like. She didn't give an answer, and we were forced to kind of reason out that she is plotting this thing with, oh, the Avatar will eventually show up, and then Zuko will have you know all of this shame and won't be able to kind of won't be able to come back from it. Because obviously the, she's trying to become yeah. the heir, like she's trying to set up a fall to where she can get rid of Zuko in a way that doesn't reflect on her at all. I guess as a viewer, you're right, but when in terms of like just the logic of the scene and like what her motivation is it makes perfect sense well what i'm saying is do you do you think that it's better to do that or to have zuko be guessing and not know what she's trying to do i just don't think she cares strategically what makes more sense i think she just thinks she has all the chips and she just loves fooling around with him that's fair yeah i can see that she thinks tactically there's she thinks there's no issue with it and she thinks like she you know seeing them growing up it, that's right there yeah yeah i think that's um i think that's reasonable um all right so you have anything else you want to say before we get into our final thoughts no I um I really really just enjoy this episode. <laughs> I'll, I guess I'll obviously go back to it when we do our final shots. Mm-hmm. I you know obviously I just watched it before we did this stream and I was just blown away with how much I really enjoyed watching this episode. Um. All right. So with that, let's get into our final thoughts. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, Corey, we kind of I think we know where you're headed, but why don't you give us your final thoughts and your rating for? Book yeah, three, I, episode as one. Said, as I've said, I, I mean, this episode to me was pretty much perfect. Not, I mean, like, perfect is a strong word, but I really just, I couldn't think of a part, maybe outside of, like, the storm being a little silly, but, you know, just visually, it, whatever, the trope, and, and obviously added drama to it, but from start to finish, I love this episode. I thought Aang, besides him losing uh, uh, Appa, was the most dark you've ever seen him and as you and i alluded to if he went to go face the fire lord right now he probably would have killed him and i just love seeing that and seeing him in this dark place and seeing him eventually get pulled out of it i love how melancholy and like bittersweet it is to see zuko with his dad again and even 
they they tactically picked the perfect time to reveal his face. I think this is the right episode to do it. I think, you know, the other way to go about showing him is waiting until the final finale to show what he looks like. And I think that's that would have been the wrong move. So I think they, they picked strategically the best time to reveal the Fire Lord. And Azula is Azula. <laughs> like, she's always perfect, I think, in terms of, like, her, what her character is. Is how much you love to hate her. Um, I, I I thought um, really yeah. from start to finish this was like a perfect 22 minute episode. Um, I keep saying perfect, so when I don't give the episode a 10 out of 10, it's pretty close. I, I think this episode's a nine point. Say again. Nine point two. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely a little bit lower. I, I think this episode is is very good. I think this episode is completely necessary. There, there, there's obviously no way to to not have it. Um, and this episode executes on a lot of things really well. With that said, I do have a few issues. I think that this Ang stuff was a little rushed. I think that the Katara and her father thing was was quite rushed and and, and maybe didn't didn't fit particularly well in this episode. Um, and I think that the Ang stuff in the end was was pretty little little on the nose, a little too overt for me. Um, with that said, the Zuko stuff was really great. Azula was fantastic in this episode. We see the Fire Lord, which is cool. There's there's a lot, there is a lot to like. So I think this episode is really good. I'm not going to quite put it into that nine that nine range. I think it's a, is is a bit below that, um, but still a very solid episode. I this episode an eight point three out of ten. So with that, thank you guys for listening again. Um, we should be back more regularly. Uh, next up, we're going to go to a secret dance party. I will let everyone know the location before we get there. Just get uh, get ready to throw your inhibitions away. <laughs> All right.